It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 8.07 on a Saturday morning, 69.8 degrees out there, going up into the high 80s, but not into the 90s today. You can garden most of the day in comfort. My number is 404-872-0750 with any garden question freely answered while you wait right here. Pat is in Douglasville, has a question about her travel plans, it sounds like. Hey, Pat, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Uh, yes, I am going to be gone for 10 days. And I live in a part of Douglas County that just has not gotten any uh, rain. Ooh. Lots of thunder and right. no rain. And uh, I've had a half an inch in the last six weeks. Ooh, um, dry, yeah, dry, dry. It is. It is. I've gone through my rain barrels, and now my <laughs> water bill is escalating, to say the least. Sure. Thank I have a little dehumidifier that I use on the plants also, but... I've given up on my annuals, and but I do grow my hydrangeas and a lot of hostas in pots rather than in the ground. Yeah. And do you have any suggestions as to what I can do to hold those over while I'm gone? I can't get anybody to come and water, unfortunately. Mm. And, uh, so these these pots, the potted plants are not big, not small enough that no. you could move them indoors or anything, right? Yes, I could move them indoors. Uh, most of mine are just in the regular pots you get from the um, when you buy them. Yeah, I have a lot of hydrangeas that are that way, and a lot of of hostas that are. I tell that you, way. the easiest thing to do would be to go into your bathroom put a couple of layers of old towels on the bottom of your uh, bathtub, soak them, soak them down real good, and then put the pots on top of that thing. I'll be crowded up together. It's not really going to matter much, but the humidity, and then close the curtain. I should mention that, too. It'll raise the humidity around the plants, but if they're on old towels, they'll give a lot of humidity around the leaves. It really doesn't matter about light for the just 10 days you're going to be gone. And I think they'll be perfectly happy and you know happy to see you when you get back. But outside, whoa, I'm not sure I hope anything is going to help with 10 days and possibly no rain in those 10 days. But if you can move them inside, I think you're fine. Okay, that sounds like a great idea. I was trying to figure out how I was going to buy some of those uh, little uh, kiddie pools. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bathtub. Bathtub works fine. Again, old towels and things I think would be perfectly fine for you. Rather than leave them in water, rather than actually putting them in water, just right. put old towels. Old, wet, soppy, soppy towels. Yeah. Soppy towels, yes, uh, would be fine. And you know, if it were outside, maybe there's somebody listening right now, Pat, who is having the same situation, but they're going on a vacation and their plants have to be outside because they're in the ground. I think the only thing you could do then is to water them, just make, again, soppy soil around the hydrangeas and hostas and things like that, and then cover the ground with newspaper and then cover that with mulch. That would hold the most moisture in the soil for the 10 days that someone might be gone. But that's my only suggestion for outdoors is soaking the soil, newspaper, and then mulch on top of that. Well, I had planned on doing that. I leave uh, 
a, sa- on a, a week from today, yeah. actually. So Friday, I'm going to soak my outside. And, uh, okay, I will try that. That, that sounds like an interesting <laughs> thing to do, your bathtubs. I have a garden tub and a bathtub. <laughs> yeah, you can do it. Have a great trip, Pat. All right. Thank you ever so much, Walter. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. We got Amy who calls us from Snellville on a Saturday morning. Amy, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How can I help? I have a large bed of daylilies that more and more rust is coming on them mm. every year. Yeah, yeah. And I have a bed of uh, flocks, purple perennial flocks, and now it's spread to the flocks. Mm. And the flocks also have mildew. Yeah, yeah. I've sprayed with bears disease control, and it's like I just threw a little water on them. <laughs> They're bad. <laughs> so, daily rust. Do you, Have you specifically diagnosed that you've put a piece of white paper on it, maybe, and rubbed it, and you get the orange spores on the white paper? Yes. Um, because daily rust has it really has only been in the state for about eight years, I guess, now. It's not the most common disease in the world, but all the daily breeders and growers are really worried about daily rust because it just gets on everything, and all the daylilies are, um, to one extent or another, pretty susceptible to it. It weakens the plant. It doesn't kill the plant. It just weakens the plant, makes the flowers not look so good. So daily rust is a problem, and then moving over to the flocks, which already has the powdery mildew, and we all got problems then. You know the stuff that I would use would be the Bonide Infuse, Pike Cells Bonide Infuse, other garden centers do too, but that is a pretty darn good fungicide. It's not going to cure it now. It's already sort of the horse is out of the barn now. Exactly. But I would certainly start spraying goo-doo-doo-doo back in around the first week of June even. That would be about right. Maybe before that, maybe the middle of May, but you want to get that plant protected and um, have the fungicide, fungicide on it when the spores land in the early part of the summer. Okay, I've got one more quick little question about what? a rising sun redbud. Yeah, okay. I've Boy, that's it, a pretty redbud. Are you kidding it me? It is gorgeous. A gorgeous plant, but guess what? What? It's not. It looks like a regular old redbud now. Yeah. <laughs> There's no apricot and lime and green. It's all green. Yeah, but it started out pretty, didn't it? Oh, it did. Yes, and I've watered it faithfully. It's put on leaves, but it just looks like your ordinary redbud. It's just the way life goes, Amy. You have to enjoy it when it's pretty. Early in the summer, and the leaves are all real pretty pink and all. And then as the summer goes on, heat affects the uh, amount of color that the that the leaves keep. And I think it's pretty normal to turn green at the end of the summer. It may actually turn colors back to the uh, the pinky yellow part sometime in late this month, maybe early September. It may turn back as temperatures get a little cooler. That's all I can give you for for hope and everything to look forward to. It might, it might not, but it's normal for it to turn green in the hottest part of the summer. Well, it certainly is doing what's normal. Yeah, <laughs> right. I thought I'd been ripped off. No, 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 no. You're fine. It was a pretty, 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 pretty It is a red beautiful bug. little tree. Yeah. It is. Thanks for calling, Amy. Thank you, Walter. Bye-bye. 14 minutes past the hour. Cindy is in College Park and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Cindy. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Walter, I'm a, I have a problem. Uh, I planted a fall mix grass last year and... Yeah. Um, and I was wondering if that fall mix is going to come back. Whoa, it's where did it go? It's a of, of uh, uh, fescue and some other grasses. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
So and, you're uh, telling me that the grass came up and looked good in the winter, but it's disappeared over the summertime? Yes, it's dead. Mm, I don't have great news for you, then, <laughs> Cindy. I don't think it's going to come back. Whole thing, huh? I think you have to replant the whole thing if it is really dead, dead as you described. And mm-hmm. I've, a couple of Saturdays ago, I talked about the swooning of fescue. The fescue swoon is a pretty common phenomenon where sometimes fescue will just sort of say, "I'm going dormant, partially dormant for." a four weeks or so during the hottest part of the summer and then in some in uh, fall and september when it rains a little bit all the fescue comes up nice and looks green and everybody's happy uh, but it sounds like this uh, fescue that you planted in the fall mix may have just given up the ghost completely mm, so i'm going to have to replant huh uh, unless uh, if you want to check and see just an uh, area you know three feet by three feet maybe that you put water on every couple of days and see if anything sprouts it looks a lot greener there than the rest of your lawn if it does then maybe it's just swooning maybe it'll come back when rain started september but if nothing happens and it's still just dead brown dry yeah we got to plant again sometime around the middle of september is a good time to get started oh that's great i really appreciate that um I have another problem with uh, a a lady spoke of her hydrangea. Uh, I was wondering if, uh, well, I had a large bloom on mine. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but it only had one on it. So what's your question? Real quick, I only have a couple of minutes here. Okay. Uh, I just wondered if I just, I think I follow what what you told the lady before me Mm -hmm. about um, the, uh, mulching it with uh, newspapers on that Good. kind of thing and, and, and the mulch on top of the newspaper. Sure. I think I'll try that. That's a great idea. I mean, and it really I does so make the hydrangea. And I thank you me the uh, information. Thanks for calling. I do appreciate it. It's 817 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today's high temperatures are brought to you on the Lawn and Garden Show by the number... Eight because 88 degrees or 89 maybe is as far as we're going to go up today. Very pleasant day to be outside. Low humidity and temperatures that you can tolerate outdoors. Nighttime temperatures in the upper 60s and a very slim chance of rain all day long. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Phillips out in Villa Rica and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Philip, hey, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. How are you today? Doing great, Philip. What's up? I uh, just got a couple of questions for you, uh, if I might. Uh, I've got uh, some pear trees, and uh, they're flowering pears. Uh, one may be a Cleveland, I'm not sure, or a couple may be Cleveland. I'm not sure about the other species, but uh, uh, I've got shoots coming up around them, hmm. and I've, I was hoping to salvage those shoots. Uh, some of them are about maybe a foot to two feet tall, and salvage those and replant them somewhere else, or at least get them out of there to, to not hurt the main trees. So I just, yeah. I wonder what I could do with those if I can salvage them and replant them. I tell you, I have a very important question. It is, are the shoots coming up from the roots of the Cleveland flowering pear, or are they coming up from fruit that dropped and sprouted on the ground underneath? 
that is what I don't know. I, I mean, you know, I wouldn't know that, I guess, until you start trying to dig yeah. them up. Yeah, okay, well, here here's my advice, depending on either situation. If you dig the first one up and find that it's coming from the root of the Cleveland pear, it's going to be genetically identical to it, will behave the same as its mother did, everything's fine. And yeah, as long as it's got a little root system on it and some from the, from the mother plant as well, dig it all up and move it, everybody's happy. On the other hand, if the fruit of the Cleveland pear has germinated in the ground and is just from the fruit itself and the seed that was inside the fruit, what you will get is a very, very bad plant, full of thorns, not very attractive, will not flower nearly as nicely as the Cleveland pear did, and there's no sense in even thinking about moving it around. Okay, so just go out, I mean, I can cut the root out of that or just try to get the root ball out yeah. of the ground and replant it if it's, if it's not intact to the mother tree? You got it. If, it. if it is attached to the mother tree, a root shoot, let's call it, the root shoot will be genetically like the mother, and that can be trans- transplanted just fine, as long as it has some roots on it um, to give it a little bit of uh, support and moisture while it needs it as, as it establishes itself. But if it has no connection by root at all to the mother plant, then it came up from seed, and that's the one you want to avoid. Okay, so you're better off just to go ahead and get one that came off the mother tree and cut the root and you got plant it. it somewhere. You got it, exactly Yeah, that right. was what I was wondering if it would hurt the tree or the mother tree or the, the offshoot. But, nah. Oh, that, that, that helps greatly. Uh, one, one other last question, if I might. Uh, what is a good ground cover for preventing water runoff in, in areas that are, you know, kind of sloping and, uh, and grass doesn't grow well there, but, uh, you know, needs something to, to kind of prevent the water and help erosion? I, for the last week or so, I've been noticing a ground cover. It's been around. It's a very common ground cover, but I never talk about it. It's called Asiatic Jasmine. And Asiatic Jasmine grows almost as rapidly as English Ivy does. It covers. It tolerates sun. It tolerates some shade. It uh, doesn't have flowers or anything on it, but at least it's green. and It'll cover a slope pretty well. So go to a garden center. Go to Pike and say, uh, let me look at the Asiatic Jasmine. Maybe look it up a couple of times online and see if that might suit your needs. But that's one plant that I just rarely even talk about, but it works fine as a ground cover. Oh, that sounds great. Well, I certainly appreciate your help today, sir. You bet, Philip. Thanks for calling. All right, thank you. The reason, just to explain, given 30 seconds here to explain, the seeded parts, if you have a flowering pear like a, uh, Cleveland pear or Bradford pear or aristocrat pear, if their seed germinates, it reverts back to the old wild calorie pear that has thorns about two inches long. It is the weediest, nastiest. You do not ever want that flowering pear in your landscape. The seeds. If it comes off the roots, though, or from the base of the tree and is connected to the mother tree, then that is going to be just like the mother, and that plant can be transplanted just fine. But goodness heavens, do not transplant a seeded ornamental pear tree, or you will be real sorry in a couple of years. It's 827 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden. Mickey Gasway from Pike Nursery, right after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 836 on a Saturday morning, 72 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden.
we got about 20 minutes here if you have a question about what you should be doing in your lawn, your landscape, your flowers, your trees, 404-872-0750. Let's go to the phones. we got Mickey Gasaway from Pike Nursery joining us this morning, as we do every Saturday. Hey, Mickey. Good morning. How are you? You know, it just feels like a new day today, Mickey. Somehow the heat of the summer is broken. I feel great. I know. We climbed the mountain yesterday, and it was so cool when we started out that morning. It felt wonderful. Yeah. Something's going on. Fall is almost I'm here. I loving And that's almost the time here. to plant a lot of things. my yard. It looks like fall already. Yeah. Anyway, so Ooh, we're ready. So, all right. So let's get to the bit down to the business of the moment, which is what is the pike pick for the weekend? It's all the E.B. Stone fertilizers. Good, because all we need little fertilizers. fertilizers. And I've yes. mentioned E.B. Stone several times this morning, and I want to sort of expand a little bit on what makes EB Stone special. It is that it uses organic ingredients that are mostly feather meal and kelp and what are the other things in EB Stone? And um, uh, chicken manure. Chicken and manure. they got some green sand things. in there. Um, blood meal, feather yep. meal, yep. Uh, bat guano, which I think is funny. Who do you think collects the bat guano? I don't know who, who collects the bat poop. I, I don't know who goes that. to get that. That's a job I don't that's want. That's my job. Me either. Okay, but anyway, that's all in there, and it's great. They're slow release. They're natural. Uh, they work great. And Sure Start is one of them, and that's yeah. the one we always recommend when you're planting stuff. So right. in this fall, when you're planting all your trees and shrubs, be sure and use some Sure Start when you do them. And to be 20% off for the organic fertilizers, that's a great bargain. It is a bargain, so get them and be ready. And I've mentioned again several times this morning that the the plants that have very thin, fibrous roots that spread out around them, like azaleas, camellias, blueberries, and things like that, all the woodland plants, boy, oh boy, do they love organic fertilizer. That is what they need. Yep, they do. And all these are, um, you know, they're pretty interchangeable, but, you know, they are for specific things, but you can use them for other things. You bet. Plants can't read. Let me ask you something. They don't know if it's... Ask you something, Mickey. Have you tried the uh, Bartzella, I believe is the name of it, peony? Is that the uh, tree peony? Yeah, yeah, it's the yellow, yellow one yellow with the red one? in the middle. Yeah. No, but we had one at the store, and it was it's out in front of the store, and it's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Just beautiful. What was the question about it? Well, I had a caller this morning earlier who wanted to know a little bit about tree peonies, and so I thought I remember that was the name Bartzella, and I remember Mark... Um, Mallow, Mallow, Mark, Mark Mallow, <laughs> Malaguerre, right, who sold me that one. He persuaded me that I needed to part with $50 that was in my pocket. One of the best plants I ever bought. That was oh, a I great think so plant. Too. And I think that the tree peonies are even even greater sometimes than the uh, herbaceous. Yeah. I love them. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I love them all. I love all peonies. And this Barzella is one that's sort of a combination of a cross between tree and herbaceous. And so it is has a right? nice... Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, it has a nice it stems like, like a shrub or shrub peony, I guess yeah. we call it. And then it dies to the ground every fall. But it holds things right. up. It holds the flowers way up high so you can see them. Awesome plant. People stop on the side of the road and ask us what that is yeah. at the store every yeah. year. But yes. anyway, and today we have a class on orchids Great. at 9 o'clock. And so I hope everybody has come to that. And orchids, don't forget the ice cube method. You use the ice cube method, don't you? I Mickey? use the ice cube method on my succ- indoor succulents and on the uh, 
uh, orchids. A couple of cubes of ice. That's all they need. Something to keep the water trickling down through the roots. They look really, That's really right. good that way. All right, so we That's have a right. class today. 9 o'clock this morning, we got the uh, EB Stone fertilizers, 20% off. All you have to do is tell the cashier this is Mickey's Pike Pick of the Weekend, and she'll give you or he'll give you 20% off on it. That's exactly right. So we got Pike locations all around the metro area. Where would we go to find each one of them? At pikenursery.com. That's exactly right. Mickey, it's great talking to you. Good talking to you. See you soon. See you next Saturday, 404-872-0750, the number on Lawling Garden. We've got Randy in Roswell, and he's the one I was talking about, wanted to know a little bit more about peonies this morning. Hey, Randy. Yeah, good morning, Walter. Morning. What's up? Uh, well, I uh, was half asleep a few weeks ago when I first ever heard of the word of a peony, and you got my interest up, so after doing some research... I did go to Pike. Uh, you know, of course, they they had nothing at this point in time. But yeah. I did buy two peony trees uh, online from a nursery out of Washington State. Yeah. Now uh, they're going to be shipping me a bare root. They're saying it's three to five years old. Mm-hmm. It has, uh, I guess, uh, three to five eyes on the root and. One I paid $110 for, and one I paid $90 for. Yeah. Uh, so for that type of investment, I just wanted for our particular zone, I, I was reading something in the Farmer's Almanac about only planting it like two inches deep. But I just oh, wanted yeah. to find out how deep should the root be planted, and also with that root, am I still expecting three to five years before that plant comes into fruition? The way that I would plant it is like I would plant any other plant. The herbaceous peonies are the ones that are very sensitive to how much cold weather they get in the winter. And for them, many times I'll say, plant a real shallow. Plant a right where the eyes are level with the ground so they can feel the cold in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. Tree peonies, on the other hand, all their buds are above ground. And so generally speaking, I think tree peonies do fine planted simply as you would plant any shrub or thing that had a root ball on it. And it sounds like a real happy plant if it's got three to five buds on it now it'll probably give you maybe one or two flowers next year and the years after that more and more and more so i think it'll be slow to flower for you for at least the next 12 months but i think after that you're going to be real real happy so that bare root uh, i guess again how far underneath the ground should i plant that after i you know i'm sure the soil is loose and so forth just make sure the root zone the root is covered with soil you know half an inch deeper than the soil level is fine it doesn't need to be five inches deep or anything like that very good i think with all the conversation we need to invest in some peony stock i'm telling you they are really pretty plants i mentioned (laughs) that bartzella that mark sold me it's a gorgeous plant get it from pike super plant Uh, okay my friend thank you so much you bet randy thanks for calling it's 6843, excuse me, 843, and Henry is in Decatur and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Morning, Walter. Hey, Henry, good morning. Uh, thanks for taking my call. How can Walter, I help? Walter, I have a backyard with several pine trees. One was recently struck by lightning and has become infested with pine beetles. Ooh. I'm, I'm having it taken down. It's, half, it's been topped, yeah. and, uh, and the toppings have been hauled away. Uh, the tree man is going to finish it on uh, next week. But he told me in the meantime to get Malathion mm-hmm. and spray it around the bottom on the tree, not on the tree itself that he's taking down as infested, but around the bottom. Would that help from getting uh, other pine trees in the backyard infested? One-word answer, and it starts with an N. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, it won't. 
it won't help at all. Uh, malathion, when you spray it at the base of a tree, does not move into the vascular system, the xylem and the phloem. It doesn't move into the xylem or phloem, so it's not transported to any other parts of the tree. Most pine beetles can be anywhere from two feet from the ground up to 50 or 60 feet from the ground, and so malathion at the base of the tree is not going to reach anything happening up higher. It does not penetrate very deeply. It only goes maybe an eighth to a quarter maybe of an inch in. It doesn't go fully through the uh, bark to get any borders that below the bark. It's not going to help at all. Okay, well, thank you very much. <laughs> so you're going to wait a minute, Randy. You're going to ask me, well, what does, what, Henry, what does uh, uh, help? And the biggest thing that helps to prevent trees or pine trees from getting pine borer damage is simply water. Don't let them dry out. Um, they can do a lot of defensive work on borers coming through the bark just by drowning them with sap, oddly enough. And if they don't have any water on the roots of a pine tree and they don't have any sap much to drown the beetles, that's when the beetles get a toehold. It's when you have a real big drought. Either that late that summer or early the next year, you begin to see beetle damage that the tree hadn't been able to control. Okay, well, I'll, right. keep them, I'll keep the, the healthy ones watered. Yeah, keep the healthy ones watered, malathion. Not so much, unless you own stock in the Malathion Company. <laughs> then you make a little money off of it, but it really doesn't help with the boars. Okay, thank you very you bet, much. Henry. Thanks for calling. Mm-hmm. Comes you t- Mary. Whoops, let's get that button back there. Comes now Mary, and she joins us with a question about her euonymus. Mary, good yes, morning. Hi, Walter. Hey, good morning. Yes, good morning. We're from Canada, and we came into this house a year ago with established um, foliage and whatnot. Right. Now, the unanimous, I noticed about a month ago, had little tiny white spots on. Yeah. So I called the garden company, and they came, and they said that it was powdery mildew. Sure. And that they would spray it, and it would hopefully stop it from spreading. That was on one of them. Now all five have gotten it. I don't mind cutting them down. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But he's, I asked him, I said, would it spread to my butterfly bush? And he said no. But yesterday I noticed little tiny white, white, white things on my butterfly bush. What can I do to save you that? Probably, he was correct. Whoever advised you that it wouldn't oh. go from one to the other was correct. Powdery mildew is very specific on its hosts, and the one that affects dogwoods doesn't get on flocks. The one that gets on flocks doesn't get on euonymus, and euonymus okay. doesn't get on butterfly bush. It is pretty hard to control. Once you have it on a euonymus, you sort of faded to have it for a long time. It's hard to control with fungicides. So if you don't mind cutting yours down, that is one option to consider, They've lost all their leaves now except for one. Cut them down. Yes. Let's just cut to the chase here. Cut them down. Yes. Get them out of here. Someone, don't need uh, and anymore. he suggested to plant bloom again azaleas. Blooming, yeah, the Blooming Again Azaleas are fine. Encore is another brand of Blooming Again Azaleas, fabulous plant, and you would do, you get a lot more enjoyment, I think, out of them than you yes. will, ever yes. will on Euonymus. So what should I do about the butterfly bush? When you say you see little white spots, tell me little more about that. Little tiny white, yes. It looks exactly like the unanimous yeah, mildew. Mm. In my experience, butterfly bush doesn't get much powdery mildew at all, so I'm surprised 
if it even looks like powdery mildew. Tell you what you can do, Mary. If you want to send me some pictures of it, uh, yes. you can go to my website and either do it under Name That Plant and send it, and we have all my little experts around town who do such a great job identifying plants and bugs and diseases and stuff. Or at the bottom, you can say Contact Walter, and that opens an email, and you can uh, send me a picture that way. Oh, that would be wonderful. Thank you so much, Walter. Happy to do it, Mary. Thanks all for right, calling. Thanks. Bye. It's 847 on a Saturday morning. We'll be back right after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Cooler temperatures today, low humidity, really pleasant this afternoon. Barely breaking into the high 80s this afternoon, not the 90s like we've had for several days. Slight chance of scattered showers, maybe, but not many people are going to get that. And tonight, the temperatures drop into the mid-60s. Stay tuned. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And don't forget, you can pick up the Sunday Atlanta Journal-Constitution for in-depth news coverage and clip and save up to $207 in coupons. Woody is in Comer, Georgia. Joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Woody, good morning. Morning, Walter. How can I help, Woody? I have uh, some pumpkins that some of the leaves are turning yellow and starting to wilt. Mm. And I was just curious uh, as to what you thought that might be. Is it spots beforehand? Is there some other symptom other than just turning yellow? No, uh, well, there are some spots. Yeah, they're, I mean they're they're yellow and brown and wilting. Mm. Pumpkins get all sorts of things. They get powdery mildew, downy mildew, and then they get the vine borers like squash get. They get squash bugs. They get um, um, what is it other than the yellow thing that gets all over the leaves and eats leaves up off of it. Just turning yellow doesn't fit any patterns that I have in my brain about pumpkins right now, Woody. Is it just one or two leaves here and there, the whole plant? Or? No, just one or two here and there, and, and uh, you know, they're, otherwise they're very vigorous growing and very healthy looking. So yeah, I lacking, lacking anything else to hang my hat on, Woody, I'm going to say that's pretty normal. I mean, pumpkins are going to have a yellow leaf here and there, and particularly hot weather when one gets a little overextended and can't quite get the moisture it needs, and so it just yellows up and dies. So if it's mostly vigorous, if you'd say 90% of the plants, nice big broad green leaves, correct. let's don't worry about it. I think you're, you're fine. Take, okay. the, take the yellow leaves off if you want to remove them in case there's any disease on it, but it doesn't sound like something to really, really worry about. All righty. All righty. Great news. For Thanks for calling, Woody. Bye-bye. We got Robert in Grant Park as our last caller this morning. Hey, Robert, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Um, I've got a about a 15-foot Japanese maple that needs some serious trimming, and mm-hmm. it's got some pretty big limbs around the bottom, about an inch and a half in diameter that I'd kind of like to take off. Okay. Um, it's hard to get around this tree when I'm cutting my grass yeah, primarily. Yeah, yeah. That's... When can I do this, and um, what's the best way to do it, really? The easiest time and the least stress on the Japanese maple. You could do it now, but if there's any... Yeah, okay, you're going to mow your lawn two or three more times. No big deal on <laughs> getting flapped in the face by the limbs. Right. Honestly, I'd wait till December, January maybe and do it then. Okay. That sounds good. One of the things about 
any tree pruning process you go through is you don't leave stubs. Don't you don't leave anything that would be hard for the tree to cover over with uh, callus tissue. And uh, so the, temp- the 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 technique of cutting a Japanese maple is either cut back to an existing limb that goes in the right direction uh, because the one that you're cutting off is a little too long, or maybe cut back all the way to the trunk and. There's a little collar. The best way to describe it is a collar that comes it's where the limb comes out of the trunk. And you make your cut just at the edge of that collar, just beyond that collar. And the collar then swells, covers, and the stub is eliminated, and it looks great. But you can look on, online and see pictures of how to prune trees without you leaving stubs and what the collar looks like and all that kind of stuff. But basically, time to do it. Let's do it December, January, and call it a day. Thanks for calling there, Robert. i got to get out of here and tell everybody how pleased I am to work with my colleagues, Ashley Frasco, screening calls like a champion and doing a fabulous job answering questions offline. Scott and Maxim, just the genius of music every Sunday, every Saturday morning, I should say, and also keeps us as well as everybody else in the studio on the air and happy. If you didn't get your question answered this morning, you can go to my website, WalterReeves.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, get all your information there, as well as subscribe to our two-week, every bi-week newsletter comes out every other Thursday, and I have a great time with that. We'll see you next Saturday morning for another edition of Lawn and Garden.